Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that is going to follow my talk about where is the loot. And uh, if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can probably catch me live right now. Twitch.tv slash say no to rage or look up say no to rage on Twitch or throw me a follow on Twitter as well. If I'm not live, just follow me on Twitch. You'll get notified when I'm live. You can be part of these Q&A sessions and join in. And folks in chat are asking if I'm not going to play. I didn't plan on playing because it helps me answer the questions faster. Usually I do gameplay, but there's nothing to grind for right now. That's one of the main problems. And I know there's like the blackout boycott on Reddit. That's not why I'm not playing. I was being facetious before the Q&A session. This just helps me answer questions faster. And again, I don't have a whole lot of drive to play right now. So, because I need to make the loot more uh, more generous. Uh, another $10 from Opinions Get You Banned. Uh, been banned since last Witch Drop. Honestly, I don't know why, but I love your content and continue to, to tip and support you. I thought you weren't banned. Uh, opinions Get You Banned? Um, I, you comment on my YouTube all the time. I removed the ban. I thought you were in here. Maybe I read your comments on YouTube. Sorry, big little interlude here at the front end. Let's jump right into the questions. Why do you think it is from Drango Jack? Why do you think it is that Bioware and Bungie and other devs are so quick to fix their mistakes that, that are often seen as fun or good, like accidentally strong weapons or loot drop rates, but they're slow at fixing broken things that players dislike? It feels intentional at this point to ignore things players don't like unless it's complained about enough. Okay. This is called triage. Uh, Basically, what you do is you prioritize things that are really important. So if you come into the ER and you broke your finger, you're not as important as the guy with an arrow sticking out of his chest. They're going to triage you and say, all right, sir, you sit down and wait, put some ice on it, shut the frick up. This guy needs help. He has an arrow in his chest. Uh, glitches and bugs that can be used to exploit and get you disproportionate amounts of loot or beat things that are far too easy that's an arrow in the chest that matters far more your broken finger is basically the wow this is really annoying this thing's not working right or I can't get in here to be fair I think Bioware has done an excellent job finding all of the arrow in the chest emergencies and fixing them sound glitches crashing issues long load screens infinite loading screens I feel like they've been doing a very good job putting out the biggest fires to be fair i don't think your frustration with maybe like a glitch here or there that might be like maybe you're not getting loot to drop or something i think sometimes they just have to say that's a broken finger we can't fix that right now we got this we got these 10 people over here with arrows in their chest we need to take care of them and we got these couple people over here with broken fingers that's generally how they approach it now that's true with destiny as well bungie goes in and says this is outside the bell curve rapid fire shotguns nerf and then they'll leave other things in there that might be ongoing problems that frustrate you like the guitar issue in Last Wish the guitar issue was elusive they didn't know what was causing it so that's like a stomach pain that they can't quite figure out what's wrong with you you're not a front burner issue they're not going to cart you off to the operating room it's a problem that they don't know the solution to so it takes a while for them to figure out why your stomach hurts right that's what the guitar glitch was in Destiny. They didn't know. They were like, well, I don't know what, we don't know what's calling it. So it took a long time for them to fix it. It wasn't that it wasn't on their radar or that they didn't care. It, is just, it isn't super easy sometimes to deduce what those problems are. It's pretty easy to see, hey, this is a fix, by the way, in the, in the recent patch notes for Anthem. If you go into an area and there are three Ursixes or there are three 
titans and you kill two of them and then you die the two that you killed stay dead they don't let you do that cheesy farm anymore that's been patched why because it's a chest it's a heart it's it's an arrow in the chest issue they got to fix that people were using it to cheese glitch and get stuff that they weren't supposed to get and it hurts the player experience because people aren't playing the content they're trying to cheese the content and when you come in and you're trying to you know, you're trying to play and everyone's matchmaking and trying to brute force glitches, it hurts the player experience. Opinions get you banned, just gifted five subs. Guys, check the chat. You may have just gotten a gifted sub. Uh, thank you so much. Opinions get you banned. I love that name, by the way. Um, I swear you've been submitting questions. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's the best I can do to answer your questions so that you can see. I don't think that they're ignoring you like, oh, you don't matter. Your glitches don't matter. They're trying to get rid of the biggest and most prominent problems. Uh, thank you, Dusty V with the Prime Sub. Uh, Kalux, when do you think Anthem will be good? <laughs> um, my hope would be in the next two weeks, the loot drops would be right. Because if people could farm GM1 to min-max, that would be a bit of a kicking the can down the road. That would kick the can down the road pretty well because even once you get all four javelins with your loadouts of min-max, that doesn't mean you're done because there's multiple loadouts per javelin. So you could spend a pretty good amount of time min-maxing a handful of builds for the Colossus before even moving on to the other javelins. So creating a min-maxing grind in GM1 would at least, as I said, kick the can down the road. And people are saying, well, it's too easy now. It doesn't need to be brutal and difficult. It's a farming source. Keep in mind, when you play Destiny, when you play Diablo, when you play these grindy games and you get into a farming route, that's typically what it turns into. It turns into a fairly manageable loop of content that you use to get loot before you go to the harder content. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's one of the reasons it's so addicting. If it's brutal, it's a, if it's brutal and you're white knuckled and you're sweating and then you get a lot of drops, that's good every once in a while. But you don't want the day to day grind to be brutal and nut crushing. That's 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 not exactly. I don't think what most people turn grindy games into. It's usually a loop of content that's reasonably challenging and fun and repeatable. That's why you keep doing it. Blagadoo. What can Bioware do to give more player agency in the loot grind? Right now, it just feels like grind over and over and wait for X to drop. Um, Thank you, pull my finger, for 22 months. That's a long time. Here's the thing. It's a a plus and a minus, okay? Number one, there's way too much loot for you to have that level of agency. Go run this mission and you can get this gun or this component. That's way too much. There's too many items in the game. You wouldn't be frustrated by the lack of agency if they were pouring the loot on. If they were pouring the loot on, you wouldn't feel that. I promise you, you wouldn't. You would feel like, I'm getting such a decent turnover, I don't have to worry about how fast, you know, uh, how fast I'm getting these, these items because they wouldn't be so infrequent. Right now, you're like, I just want to get this ability, and I can't get it. If you had generosity factor through the roof, you'd be like, I got a handful of them today, and one or two of them were good. This one right here, in particular, is a little bit stronger for the build I like to run. Thank you, Opinions. Get you banned for your Twitch Prime sub. I unbanned you. You should be able to talk in chat. Um... 
Is Anthem worth playing solo? I think so. They've fixed a lot of the things and banned people for doing the exploits to kind of wrap people on the beater so they stop doing it. Your solo experience with matchmaking should be significantly better. They fixed some of the problems with quick play. Uh, and every activity, whether you're doing a contract, legendary contract, free play, uh, or strongholds, it's all match made. So. Uh, Sir Mayhem says. If they were to flip the drop rate switch back on, do you think that at this time there's enough diversity in bad rolls that we're not breaking the game currently, or is the legendary pool just too small? I mean, I would min-max, I would min-max my masterwork build. I I literally crafted, I crafted 28 masterwork items, and I walked away with barely anything like two items that were considered like pinnacle or not even pinnacle they were just really good oh quick play is still broken and awful that's really concerning I, if I was them I, I don't know I feel like you just get rid of quick play for now because if it's if, if that's what's going on you don't want people to feel that's one of the main value points one of the main value points is that you can match make into any activity that's one of the main value points and if that's not functioning right if quick play is bad that's bad i mean that's not good people can't just do the basic stuff um arpenine how much do you think this negative press affected sales i assumed a lot but it is still listed as number seven on the most played for xbox i know it's not a perfect indication but it's surprising to see uh, what games it's beating with all the hate still it also had a ton of uh it was a what like i think it hit highest digital download for somebody somewhere. Somebody put that in my chat the other day. I, it's not surprising, honestly. It was well marketed and it looks cool. And again, I think there could be a huge, a huge swath of casuals that just like running around and shooting stuff. We know this from Destiny, and Anthem feels awesome. You feel like uh, you feel like a, a, an Iron Man. It was UK's Amazon highest digital game. See, I just, I don't know. I think maybe we're buying into Sky is Falling because we see streamers who play 10 hours a day that are bouncing and the average player isn't getting to that wall yet. Because if you think about the core gameplay loop, it's it's fun, it's exciting, it's cool, it's diverse, and I feel like YouTubers are, are jaded. I feel like a lot of them took issue with stuff that the average player is not going to take issue with. And I feel like streamers who were liking the game but hit the loot walls, again, we play so, so much, I just don't know if we represent the common player. Now, we represent the common player eventually. Eventually, I think people get to where we are, and they're like, man, I can't get anything out. I can't get anything done. I can't get any loot to drop. We just get there first. Thank you for 22 months, Yoration. Uh, Always love the content, homie. Keep up the glorious fun, uh, fun dude. Thank you. Uh, Stubot says going back to Destiny makes me realize how many problems there are in Anthem do you think loot changes, bug fixes uh, and what's coming in the next few months will be enough to bring the game to an enjoyable state I I don't know if when you compare it to Destiny it's necessarily fair um, Destiny 2 Vanilla and D1 Vanilla were atrocious and Destiny's basically out of ICU like Destiny's in better shape, but that's only after Forsaken basically saved it from death. And that's a lot of development time and a lot of fixes. You know, Destiny 2, a month or two after Vanilla's launch, was in bad shape. And it took a lot of time and a lot of improvements to fix it. 
I believe Anthem has made fixer, uh, faster adjustments and fixes than Bungie ever has in the history of Destiny. I love both games, but Bungie's never going to get any feathers in their cap for speed. Uh, it takes them a long time to fix things. You know, for Forsaken and the Taken King were a year after Rocky launches. They weren't like a month or two. Uh, so if Anthem can figure this stuff out in the next couple of weeks, I think they'll do just fine. I, again, if the core game is delivering fun and they fill vacancies, I believe that people will come back. They're like, dude, it was fun being Iron Man. It was fun being the big old, the big old thick boy. I'm coming back because there's loot to chase now. Division did it with 1.8. Diablo did it with the loot 2.0 system. People come back to games. Um, so... I think people will come back. It's it's been proven time and time again that if the game is solid and addicting and it appeals to people, they'll come back when you start filling vacancies. Um it's it's so oh, this is Solideo Gloria says for the longevity of Anthem, do you think they need some kind of PvP content? Nope, don't ever add PvP. It's terrible. Uh, Destiny 2 has been living under the shadow of PvP for four years. PvP has always been subpar and somewhat embarrassing from the company that brought Halo. Uh, their PvP has never been that good, and it is a giant shadow over the PvE uh, metas and builds. Just ask us about all the most recent nerfs, many of them motivated by PvP. D's Neasy says, how big of a hit will Anthem take from Division 2? I think that is one of the threats right now is losing the um, losing the hardcore grinders. Keeping a casual base is great, but casual base, I, I don't know if you want to have mostly a casual base. Casual players are, you know, they put the game down. They have an easier time stopping playing. They're not as invested. They were just having fun shooting stuff and, you know, something else gets their attention. So you don't want to lose, you don't want to lose the hardcore base that you might, you might have. It's very easy, I think, for that to happen if the right game comes along. Here's the thing. This in Anthem's corner, okay? (laughs) Division 2 is just it's not nearly as exciting as anthem i'm not even being a fanboy i'm not i think division 2 is a great game but the hiding behind stuff and the slow shoots and the weak abilities i think that people are gonna come back i think if anything division could help anthem (laughs) because people are gonna flock to division and they're gonna be like this really isn't my cup of tea but i'll drink it anyway because i'm thirsty and then eventually they'll be like, what's that about Anthem? That's feeling, that's sounding sound pretty good. They're making some good changes over there and they'll come back. Now, Division 2, I think, is going to be a successful game. I think Division 2 is potentially the best looter shooter that's built to last. I'm not saying it's the best looter shooter. I'm saying as far as being built to last, it seems like they really, really thought through the grind, the end game, the longevity. It feels like it's it's just built to last. I feel like... Anthem is a is a well-built house that can really really have good add-ons and they just have to do the right they have to just do the right add-ons at the right time and fix the right things structurally and I think it'll be in fine shape but I believe that there's some there's a durability to division two it's built to last now that durability doesn't mean it's as appealing it's not as cool it's not as showy it's not as satisfying as destiny and anthem Anthem is like the third person Destiny. You you you're third person, but you feel really really freaking cool, you know. Um 
So I don't necessarily think that people are going to flock to to division and immediately feel like all their sentimentality is being satisfied. I think the loot system has more... Uh, more durability, but that doesn't mean the playstyle is going to be as appealing. I think Anthem and Destiny offer something special, and Division offers something good, but Division doesn't necessarily shine in the combat. Division shines in the long min-maxing game. I think even fans of Division would own up to what I just said, that it doesn't really, it's not really the gameplay, it's the min-maxing, it's the, it's the crafting and the, and the fine-tuning that is really what draws people and keeps them in Division. It's not necessarily the overwhelmingly amazing gameplay. Josh the Gamer Nerd, I played Anthem in the beta, and I love the way the game felt. I play games like this throughout my hardcore endgame. My question is, do you see Anthem having a solid endgame any time soon? I've continued to say that I believe Anthem has elasticity. They don't have the depth right now. Admittedly, that's easy to see. There's not depth, but there's elasticity. And what I mean by that is this. If they can figure out GM1, then they have the recipe for GM2 and 3 and beyond. That's the big question. That's why they're not turning 18 knobs at once. They don't want to jack stuff up and undercut GM 2 and 3 and future plans. So, it has lots of elasticity. Because they could, if they could figure out GM 1, then they know what they can probably do with GM 2, 3, and all the future content to keep us interested and to understand how drop rates, min-maxing, and reward paths work. Here's the advantage that Division has. Division already did all this in Division 1 with patches and updates and talking to the community and flying people out and listening and they worked all their way to Division 1.8. I told folks that the end of Division was a beta test for Division 2 and you can see that. You can clearly see that in the way that Division 2 is structured at launch. They were very thoughtful about these things. To their credit, I think it should be applauded and I think Anthem's the thing that Anthem has in its corner is that they seem to be able to make changes very, very quickly. So they can make pivots and adjustments faster than Destiny can, and I don't know if it's faster than Division can, but they can kind of adapt the game on the fly, but that's why they have to be careful. You can overcorrect. You know, if, you, if your car starts to spin out and you overcorrect, you make it worse. And so right now they're stabilizing the car so they can get things on a nice a nice path and a nice trajectory so they don't spin the car out and put it in a ditch. So Sasquatch. I asked uh, this for loot as a whole, but for legendaries specifically, uh, would you like to see a higher minimum baseline of percentages on inscriptions? I know you need bad rolls, but for legendaries, they should almost always be more viable than masterwork. I agree with you to a point. I agree with you to a point. They need to be careful because what about going beyond Grandmaster 3? If they make it really easy for you to get great inscriptions on legendaries, you're you're likely to hit the wall sooner, which means what do they do beyond that? Now, I would say generosity needs to be the current. Think of think of current as like I'm saying like current in the water, like in a river. That current, that flow, that's the mechanism. 
keeping things generous. And then what you do is you just fill that hopper. Imagine if you've ever played paintball and you got that hopper and you're loading it with paintballs and they're all going down in, right? You're shooting your paintball, okay? As long as they're filling that hopper with, okay, here's all your masterworks. Yeah, go and get them. And you're getting them and you're getting them. And cool, 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 cool. I'm min-maxed. Okay, go to GM2. All right, we're mixing in the hopper now. Masterworks are getting a little bit higher uh, inscriptions and some legendaries here and there. And you min-max some more. You get a little bit stronger. You kind of tap yourself out. You go into Grandmaster 3. And they start filling that hopper with way more legendaries. And those legendaries have good inscriptions. You're trying to min-max. If they want to do a Grandmaster 4, 5, and 6 with higher inscriptions on the legendaries or another class of item to throw in that hopper the mechanism is the generosity they're just dumping loot on you pouring the paintballs you're just getting hit with you're just getting hit with loot and all they've got to do is change what goes in the hopper does that make sense you're playing loot's raining you're in a mindset of tweaking changing updating something can always drop it's a little bit better than what you have and as you gear up to go up the colors and the inscriptions just work on a scale. So there's a big, big difference from a guy who's a Colossus who's covered in, let's say they create a new class of gear called Exotic. He's covered in Exotics. He's worlds different than me sitting in Masterwork, but you know what? We're both having the same experience. Stuff's dropping. We're min-maxing. It's fun. We're, We're getting the same treatment. So you don't suddenly get to the end game and feel like, well, frick, I'm trying to get this new this new type called exotic and I just can't get it to drop. That's why, I'm telling you, that's why I use the word elasticity. If they can figure out GM1, you just scale it from there, man. You just keep going. You just keep going out and up. And the reason this works so perfectly is imagine they figure this out. Imagine they get Grandmaster 4, 5, and 6 up and running. Maybe there's another class of item. And in nine months or a year, suddenly they're like, hey, every javelin has five new abilities for this slot, five new abilities for this slot, a new ult, a new melee attack, new new mod components, and they're all dropping at what it, you know wherever you are in the game so you're you know you're farming for those new abilities and maybe there's new things for you to go do with those abilities that elasticity's banging on all cylinders if people suddenly jump into anthem at that point guess what they can farm for that stuff have that generous hopper filled dropping loot feel and they're like yes let's get this okay i've got my masterworks you're way beyond them and you start getting that loot and you're doing the same thing everybody's doing the same thing and it doesn't have this sharp difference of feel end game to beginning think about the difference of how the end game and the beginning of the game feels for players of destiny when you get to the end game and you're grinding gambit prime or the forges 90 percent of the freaking game doesn't matter to you this this version of the grandmaster stuff it keeps all the content viable if you don't feel like doing strongholds or legendary contracts or legendary missions you can just grind free play it always keeps the content you know viable and you can always chase the stuff it's 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 a great way of keeping things going and keeping things sort of you know fresh because you just have to add new abilities and new stuff you know you just have to just basically keep filling the hopper with loot is all you have to do um 
Next question from Gail. How do you feel about the masterwork mod components being tied to a challenge that requires 50k loyalty from all three factions and the three loyalty uh, to unlock the challenge was only 3k each? That is a... um, That feels like a scaling mistake. I don't think that that's the way that's supposed to work. That's got to... I feel like that's got to be getting tweaked. That doesn't seem to be a proper... um, A proper scale. (laughs) It's like all of a sudden... Everything changes. It's like, wait, wait, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. Why, why do I all of a sudden have to do so much more? Christ, don't you feel like legendaries are missing that unique wow factor? Um, no, because you're... Th- it, l- listen, I know who the person... I know the person asking this question is a Destiny fan because he asked questions in my Destiny Q&A sessions. Uh, you're, you're thinking like a Destiny player. Min-maxing games don't have wow factor. There is no wow factor in Division. You're getting gear and you're crafting a build and each piece of the build is somewhat, somewhat equally important. And I think that's a different mindset. You can't necessarily say, oh, we're going to have a min-maxing game and then out of nowhere, here comes a legendary and in this corner, we've got a legendary ability for you. It's a Rock'em Sock'em robot. You deploy it on the ground and it shoots missiles, rockets, and fireworks. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Well, that doesn't work because you've been min-maxing up to this point. You've been crafting your build and then a legendary landing and having like this wow it stands out it's its own unique thing it would feel really divergent from the way they've set the game up I think Destiny players come to Anthem and they're like it's not that exciting I've already gotten this weapon before you, you have to find the value in the other things that they're putting forth you're really crafting a build and I think what Eugene is saying is true. There's definitely a wow factor when you find that piece that has the stat that pushes you to the next level in your build and allows things to work properly. You also have to understand that when you get a legendary, it does behave quite a bit differently, at least in my experience in my builds. Like, I don't know. I I definitely felt stronger. But you just, you you can't have this. It's, It's like suddenly getting Skull of the Dire Ahamkara in Destiny. You get Skull for your Warlock, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is an exotic. It's completely changed the way that I play. I think that happens in Anthem. I don't think it's as I don't think it's as prominent, but it's definitely there. I definitely play differently when I have a really good legendary that has really good inscriptions on it. I was doing that with my Ranger. Watch some of my gameplay, my Ranger, using that legendary pulse beam or whatever the frick and I boosted its elemental damage and it rolled with like a 200% elemental damage it's dumb it's literally a laser beam of death on anybody that crosses my path it's really strong and it feels different than it did before once you start using it so if you guys are new to the stream you've never been here before typically I would have gameplay up in this corner there's not much for me to do right now so I just focus on the questions I do this in destiny I'm going to be doing it in division I take your questions it's like a podcast interactive radio show where you are part of the content if you're enjoying this please click the follow button that is a free and easy way to support my content I do this type of thing all the time I want to give you a great show when you're here and that's my goal curbster Curbster, you keep saying generosity is key, and I agree with you, but what would you say should be an acceptable amount of masterwork drops per run, say, of Tyrant Mine? 
four, five, eight. Uh, what about legendaries? I think you stagger it. I think you do two guaranteed uh, at the first chest. I think you do four guaranteed at the second chest, and I think you do I don't know eight from the boss. Why would you do that, Lono? To prevent people from grabbing the first chest and getting a frick out. Like, you don't want people doing that. You want to incentivize going to the next chest. You want someone to feel like killing a boss is worth their time. How do you handle Heart of Rage? You do the same thing, and every phase of the boss drops more and more each time. So if you're going to go into heart of rage it takes longer it takes it's, it's a harder fight it's arguably more challenging you should come away from heart of rage with more loot and i'm not just talking loot over time well if i run tyrant mine at 10 minutes i get 15 drops okay and this this uh, heart of rage takes twice as long and i get twice as many drops if it's just loot over time and you're still getting the same amount of masterworks per 30 minutes you're gonna go with tyrant mine does that make sense? If in 30 minutes your turnover of masterwork is exactly the same, whether it's 30 minutes in Rage or 30 minutes in Tyrant Mine, you're just going to run Tyrant Mine because it's less stress- less stressful. Running Heart of Rage should lead to a greater masterwork per minute. Masterwork per minute. Per minute. MWPM. <laughs> you should be getting a greater amount. Because if not, people are always going to do that. They're literally, they're literally just going to divide loot by time, and you don't want them doing that. So it should scale. It should just scale. If you're doing free play, there should just be a rhythm of delivery that you know you're going to get. It's not guaranteed, but you know once you fill all five lines of loot and you go back, there's a certain number of masterworks you're getting. And you know running Tyrant Mine or Legendary Contracts is a little bit more rewarding um that's how that's how it should be and i've had a couple people in chat ask about luck stats i want you to think about how how infectious a luck stat is why are you saying infectious because you eventually get to the point where you don't want a luck stat it's just there on your gear for forever i guess because you you don't need it eventually eventually you have the build that you want and what all all your loot's gonna be sullied by one stat with luck. Not all your loot, because you should only go up to 90%. So what, three mod components you're just throwing away an inscription on luck? Now, someone might push back and say, well, but Lono, couldn't you get three mod components that have good luck stats, and you run those when you're farming, and you, 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 you take them off when it's time to start really, you know, going for your min-max build, doing high damage, or going into a challenging environment. That's a fair point, and I can live with that. I don't think they need to get rid of the luck stat, but Diablo got rid of the magic find stat for that reason. You end up being like, this isn't even really a game-impacting stat, but I feel like I've got to run it, because it helps my drops. So, bad brain with four months, thank you. Arpanine, is it possible that they don't think they have enough content, so they keep the loot scarce? It gives people something to grind for. Maybe they will turn it up in the next content update. I, Okay, here's the thing. I don't think this is the accurate summation of what's going on. There's just no way they're saying, well, our, our we don't have a whole lot of content, so let's make it unfun and unrewarding. Um, it's a bit of a double whammy. I would think if it was really rewarding, you would see people doing a variety of things. Right now, what people are doing is 
here's the result okay if if bioware has learned anything in just the starkest of terms is that when you don't give people rewarding paths they do one of two things i'm sorry they do one of three things they either quit because they can't get anything i've quit i've taken a break i'm not like i quit and i'm never coming back i'm not quitting like that but it's like i've taken a break so they quit or they take a break Number two, the, the, the second of the three options that they have is they look for exploits and cheeses because you're not rewarding them through the natural pathways. So they just look for cheeses. Number three, they find what they believe to be the most rewarding lane and they live there. And as Travis Day said in his comments on Reddit, you have to protect players from themselves. If you basically are motivating them and shoving them into a narrow amount of content because it's the only content that's relevant or rewarding, they're going to hit burnout faster. Listen, if, if players are clearly showing with their behavior that they go where the loot is, you have your answer in the clearest of terms. They go where the loot is, so put the loot in everywhere and then people will play more with more diversity and maybe have guaranteed drops from certain things each day so they hop kind of like the milestone system in destiny but not as annoying so they hop they're like well if i do these certain things out in free play i get i get i get masterworks while i'm out there and i get some guaranteed ones right and maybe the guaranteed drops have a higher probability of uh, good inscriptions. So there's one. Call them. Call them something else. Call them. Um, I don't even know what you'd call them. Call them contractual masterworks. And contractual masterworks, you get one after so many free play events, and you get one. For, you get the three legendary contracts a day, and then you get one at the end of every every um, at the end of every uh, stronghold. Now, you're getting tons of Masterworks uh, while you're doing this. Keep in mind, you're still getting tons of Masterworks in Tyrant Mine, but at the very end, you get one called a Contractual Masterwork, and that one has like a higher probability of having good inscriptions. So, if you do that, you're doing a couple of things. No one is going to say, oh, I'm just going to stay in this lane, because there's multiple lanes with guaranteed Contractual Masterworks that have that high probability of giving you uh, good inscriptions and if you get so many per day from free play and so many per day from legendary contracts and so many per, per day from uh, strongholds eventually you're going to say I've gotten my four or five for the day that were kind of like guaranteed to have high inscriptions I better move to the next activity do, do you see what I'm doing I'm creating a soft incentive and a soft push to say dude look you've done you've done free play for a couple hours and after doing free play for a couple hours, you got your contractual masterworks. You got your five free play masterworks that were, you know, had had a higher probability of good inscriptions. You also got a ton. You also got a ton of masterworks throughout that entire time. It was really rewarding and you feel really good about it. But now, now you feel softly motivated to tip over into contracts or legendary contracts to get your four or five you know, masterworks that have that higher probability. You would need to call them something so people understand each section of the game has so many of these per day that I can get guaranteed so no one stays in one lane. Right? No one. 
if they did they would feel like they're missing out like yes I'm getting tons of masterworks from Heart of Rage but I'm I, I'm missing out on the legendary contract masterworks or the free play masterworks that are going to guarantee me a higher likelihood of good inscriptions this is the, like that's basically what you're doing there is is you're having the generosity be the theme and you're putting little carrots here and there to motivate people to say, if I stay in this lane, sure, sure, I might get more masterworks in an hour, blitzing Tyrant Mind or Temple of Scar. But if I'm missing out on legendary contracts and free play, there's guaranteed masterworks there that have a higher probability of really good inscriptions. They're going to feel like I'm missing out. I can't stay in this lane. And then what you have done is you have passively saved the player from themselves and you haven't coerced them to do it. You haven't coerced them. You haven't forced them into other content the way freaking Destiny does with his stupid milestones. You're not forcing them. They feel like it's their decision. They're choosing it. That agency makes them go and do it. They feel a sense of reward. And what they don't realize is you've just very subtly saved them from burnout. Right? You saved them from burnout because you kept them in a variety of content. And you didn't do it in a forceful way. They don't even know it's really happening. They feel if it feels like they're choosing it, then it it's gonna it they're gonna own the decision more and enjoy it more. I don't feel like I'm enjoying it when I feel like, well, I'm out of milestones in Destiny. I guess I'll go run PvP. I don't feel like I'm choosing that. I feel like it's being chosen for me. Do you think I'm having fun when I do that? No. So that's another idea I would layer in there as well. Because if not, people are gonna do the same thing. They're going to do the math on Reddit and they're going to say this this activity, this thing over here seems to have the best masterwork per minute turnover rate so just do this activity and nothing else. And the community would always be able to come back and say, yeah that's true but but there's free play and then there's and then there's legendary contracts and then there's strongholds that have a guaranteed you know, so many, so many masterworks a day guaranteed that have higher inscription ratings. Right? You could call them, you don't even need to put it in there. You could just call them like Adept Masterworks or something. I'll add a little word so that you know there's like a higher likelihood of the of the inscriptions being better. Uh, ha ha ha, Bazinga says, would the ability to get Masterwork recipes without unlocking them with the Masterwork help with the unlimited drops and move focusing to crafting? I really don't think you want to move the focus to crafting. I, I, I think crafting will gut this game of its charm. I trust me, I stood in I stood in the forge and I crafted twenty-eight items in a row and there was no excitement. There was I just you don't you will gut this game of its excitement if you do that. Crafting should be like a rhythmic Yeah, let's see what we get. Yeah, let's see you know, let's see what we get here. If crafting becomes the main mechanism of loot like loot acquisition I you're gonna really, really hurt the game. Um, I, you don't. I just don't think you want people doing that. You want people out in the world playing. Why? Because there are two things that, when interwoven, create an addicting game: a really satisfying content loop and a sense of progress. If those things get interwoven, then people get addicted. Okay. If the sense of progress is floating up here and it's like, well, you really make the most progress by crafting, 
and the loot and the content loops like down here and it's not like connecting it's like half connecting like this right now your game's like dissonant and imbalanced well it's kind of connected the content loop feeds me mats and I get drops here and there but the main thing I do with those mats is I go and I craft and that's where most of my good gear comes from I, I just I, I really don't I, I feel like that's super dissonant that's that feels very very that, fe- that feels dissonant and not uh, it doesn't feel like you're going to have people that are going to be consistently out in the world because what ends up happening is your memory of that really really rewarding drop is sort of tied to something mechanical and not something exciting you're out you're shooting stuff there's booms there's bangs the boss dies you get loot ooh pretty and you go back and you look at it and then dude where did you get that oh my gosh dude me and my friend we were farming tyrant mine all day and like last run of the day we got this to drop oh my gosh and like dude I'm gonna go out there and do that you're like man we were getting a really really good turnover from harder rage we were farming and they were getting lots of drops and then this was in the pile I think that's like a that's just a natural lane to jump back into and stats uh, being basically farmed via materials is so flat and mechanical it's just a trans it's a transaction of time truly it it's a tra- it's a transaction of time because what ends up happening is you're like oh, I have to craft how do I craft I gotta get mats what's the fastest way to get mats do this and you just do that and your mats 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 you just shove the mats into the end of the end of the slot machine and it spits out so many things I don't know I, that that's and I've always made this comparison in destiny there were weapons where you could farm for a god roll and the whole time you're farming for the god roll every time it drops you're excited you're like oh my gosh this could be the one right every time you kill the boss there's this anticipation is he gonna drop it is he gonna drop it when you have to play 40 strikes to get the weapon every strike is the same mechanical transaction of time all you're doing is saying what's the fastest strike Anytime it takes a little bit longer, it's like a slight little goad and poke in the eye. It's going to take you just a little bit longer. 31 more strikes and 30 and 29 and eh. And the whole time you're not excited. Your brain is not engaged. There's no, there's no dopamine. There's no excitement. There's no anticipation. You are punching a time card. Kukunk. Five strikes on today. Kukunk. Five strikes on today. Instead of saying, I, I, I might get one today. You're, the entire psychological addiction to loot pursuit games gets completely destroyed when it becomes transaction of time equals best gear instead of anything great could drop from anywhere there's no mystery there's no pursuit the, the there's no romance you know stew boot uh, do you think there is any amount of loot? Uh, to make GM3 worthwhile with the enormous amount of time and teamwork it takes. You have to understand something. We're not able to gear up to go up right now. That's one of the things, right? That's one of the problems is you can't gear up to go up. If you were able to gear up to go up and go to Grandmaster 2 and get a trickle of legendaries to gear up to go up, then Grandmaster 3 wouldn't feel that way. You're getting mediocre mountain climbing equipment and you're trying to, cl- trying to climb Mount Everest. Do you know what I'm saying? You don't have a pinnacle build and you're not trained in condition yet to climb Mount Everest. You've got like decent, you've got like decent climbing gear and it's not, it's not, it's not made for you basically. 
Think about it like that. You could get really great climbing gear, and if it's not fitted for you, sized to you, if you're not trained how to use it, you're gonna go and try and climb Mount Everest, and you're probably gonna die. They're gonna, they're never gonna find your body. You're gonna be one of those people that's just up there somewhere, right? But with you get the right equipment and you train with that equipment, you condition your body. That's you min-maxing to climb Mount Everest. GM three is basically Mount Everest, and you don't have the gear or the training for it yet. Why? You haven't min-maxed. That's how min-maxing games work. You gear up to go up. Right now, gearing up is short-circuiting because there's not enough stuff dropping. Hector says, What are your thoughts about the percentage of luck? I'm always trying to run with the most luck. Don't go higher than 90% or you're wasting the stats. Uh, You have base of 100, and you can add 90 on on top of it. Uh, Seamus. Is GM3 worth grinding? No, not right now. Uh, what's the main your main javelin? I like the Colossus. Uh, Dagnabbit Ben, I think Anthem would benefit to adopting essentially Diablo 3's loot psychology and extremely min-maxing builds the way tons can flow and always something to build towards. That's not a question, and I agree with you. <laughs> what's your favorite javelin? Colossus. Uh, QT Zerl. Uh, QTZ IRL, maybe. Given the lack of endgame content, do you think the reason that they aren't increasing drops is to extend... I read that question. Old Man Mercy. What metric are you using to judge whether or not loot drops are scarce or plentiful? Okay. I don't have a metric, but I'm just going to tell you what I did. I played two hours, and I ran free play the whole time. Well, why are you running free play? Okay. Hold your horses. A value point of Anthem is that when you increase the difficulty, the whole game has relevancy. Whole game, whether it's free play or contracts or legendary contracts or strongholds. Okay, so in Grandmaster 1, I'm supposed to be getting loot to maximize my build. And I ran free play for two hours and I got four masterworks. That's it. Now, I got four masterworks the first hour and none the second hour so it was really disjointed and out of those four masterworks I got nothing helped me so I ended a two hour play session with basically a mountain of purples 90 some purple items that I dismantled and four masterwork items that I also dismantled because they didn't do anything for me so I would say Looking at that, uh, looking at that route, that route they built for me, the thing I'm trying to do, I can't do. I don't have a number. I'm not like, well, if I don't get approximately 28 masterworks in a 60 minute time period, there's absolutely no way, according to my calculations, for me to min max. I haven't got out like my abacus and like my, uh, uh, my calculator to really think about like, how could I maximize? All I know is, if you just ignore mod components, there are, per javelin, there are 37 potential masterwork drops. There's 27 weapons and 10 abilities per, there's 10 abilities per javelin. There's like the five and the five. That means in a given hour, even if you give me 50 masterworks an hour, I'm averaging like a masterwork a minute, okay, during, during free play. It doesn't matter. Out of those 50, if I'm looking for a particular drop, let's say I'm looking for uh, Railgun for my Colossus, and I want one with a specific build, a specific role. That's a one in... If the mod components are in the mix, it's more than a one in 47 chance that I even get the Railgun. Let's just imagine mod components aren't even in the mix. It's one in 47 chance! One in 47? 
No, 1 in 37, sorry. It's a 1 in 37 chance. What? How am I ever how am I ever gonna even get the, the railgun? You could give me 50 masterworks an hour, and every single one could be a complete an item I don't even need. Now imagine out of those 50, I get four or five railguns. Even within those railguns, there's a significant chance of having t- terrible trans uh, inscriptions. Terrible. I crafted 28 masterwork items and kept two. Well, I kept five, but two were like noticeably like these are really good rolls. Two. And I was crafting specific items, right? It wasn't like 28 random masterwork items. It was a bunch of elemental rages and then some abilities that I wanted. So if I end a 60-minute play session with 60 masterworks, I guarantee you I'm... Like, I guarantee you I'm going to dismantle most of them just based off of inscriptions or the fact that I don't want them. Oh, here's an Elemental Rage. I've got a pretty good one. And everyone I see that's got lower stats than the one I have, delete, 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 delete. Think about it like that. I didn't even bring that up. Think about it like that. Min-maxing basically starts to do like a punch-out system. If you get an absolute god roll on your Elemental Rage, that means... Every time an elemental rage shows up, you're way more likely to dismantle it. If you get a god roll railgun, every time railgun shows up, you're all the more likely to dismantle it. This is why th- this is this is why generosity works because it's like a punch out system. It's going to slow down organically. That's organically slowing down. I'm getting to the point where the only thing I need for my Colossus is a really good Voltaic Dome. And that's one item out of a sea of items. Why? I got a great Elemental Rage. Elemental Rage on Colossus? Oh, you better believe it. Elemental Rage is really strong on Colossus if you use Voltaic Dome. Because it hits him with the Shock and the Freeze and it gets buffed by Elemental Rage. It's stupidly strong for both Storm and Colossus. Trust me on this. If you ran Elemental Rage and you ran Lightning Coil and Flamethrower, you will see the light. It is really, really strong. Elemental Rage is unfortunately probably the best gun of the game. Uh, (laughs) For the most part. It's not great on uh, it's not obviously good on Interceptor and Ranger, but it's god tier for both Colossus and Storm builds. Um, so that is another really, really good point to really drive home for generosity. As you're min-maxing your build, you are slowly but surely invalidating so many of the drops. I have a god roll elemental rage. Anytime that shows up, I'm shoving it off the table. I have a god roll railgun. Anytime that shows up, I'm very likely shoving it off the table and not using it. Uh, Helios Prime with eight months. Big Rake with six months. Thank you guys so much for those resubs. Uh, Groot Balas. Why is the E3 trailer nothing like the game? This is such a false accusation. If you watch gameplay of somebody playing on PC, it looks like what they showed us. The weather effects, the lighting, the shadows, the graphics. I reject the notion that it looks nothing like the E3 trailer. People saying that the, t- that the, the Ford is nothing like the E3 trailer. Nobody's moving around. I walked through it plenty of times. There's constantly people walking around and moving. Admittedly, it is really quiet. And sure, it's not cinematically alive like with something in the background moving and a guy tapping me in the arm and be like, hey, come talk to me. Sure, that's not happening. But I, 
I still don't feel like it's that far removed from the trailer. Not in the way that like Watch Dogs 1 or Division 1 were that removed from their trailers. Not at all. Uh, Digital Prowler. What do you think about legendaries remaining rare and being able to re-roll the entire item on a single inscription like a toned down version of how D3 does it uh, only to have a larger loot pool? No. Uh Uh-uh. The reason this doesn't work is you're changing the nature of the game on a dime. You go from like whites, greens, oh yeah, blues, purples, sweet, and like right now we're like ma- masterworks, <laughs> like and if they start pouring on the masterworks, you're there's this just natural slope upward. You're getting lots of stuff, you're min-maxing, you're making changes and you want to hit legendaries and go like this. Like, just drop it off. Very, very rare. And then you're re-rolling to get a god roll? Why change the entire thematic feel of the game's loot pursuit like that? Well, you're at Legendary now, so, uh, yeah, everything you've done for the last 100 hours, it's totally different now. You don't want to do that. You're betraying the player at that point. You put in 100 plus hours min-maxing three javelins, and now you're in pursuit of legendaries. The entire grind is different. They show up way less often, and you're going to grind for materials to re-roll them to your liking. That's jarring and not... That, that doesn't make any sense. You're, you're basically changing the fabric of the game just, I guess, because I got to the end game. Why, again, with the spectrum of inscriptions, there's no reason to do that. You can sh- just shower them with legendaries, and they're going to do the same thing they did with Masterworks. Crap. Crap. Ooh. Ah, this is a nice one. And then they slap it in. Uh, Nimroken. Thoughts on GM2 and 3 really being the solution to the loop problem? Basically bump everything up a tier, so GM2 is mostly masterwork with Legendary 2, GM3 is mostly Legendaries. This is a possible solution. I would accept this as a solution. I would. I most definitely would. Because if suddenly I can go into a lane that I know is significantly more generous than I can min-max, I'd probably do it. Now, I don't know if the difference between GM1 and GM2 difficulty is where it should be. I've heard mixed reviews. I've heard it's too sharp. Uh, GM1's a joke, and GM2's like, what the frick? I'm getting my head beat in. Uh, So they'd have to look at that. But this is a solution as well. However, I I don't think this is the right pivot. Because you basically turned GM1 into what? What is GM1 at that point? Think full think full picture here. You're thinking as somebody who's in GM1 and has tons of masterworks. You're not thinking as a player in the natural progression. How is GM1 a step to GM2? If GM1 is a wasteland for masterworks. Now you might say, well, GM1's transactional. You do the strongholds, you do the legendary contracts, and that's how you get them. Well, now you're, again, you're just randomly changing the thematic thrust of the grind for players just at random. They're just getting per- Purple's like crazy and hard, but then GM1's like real transactional. Like you're doing, you're doing the the forges. I'm sorry, the strongholds, and you're doing the contracts, and you basically like piecemeal a masterwork build together, and they're bad rolls. And then you go to GM2 to get good rolls because they're really generous. Um, you might be able to refresh and put a message in Viro. Like to me, if you're gonna do that, I would make GM1 and GM2 equally generous, but maybe raise inscription quality in GM2, so that's like, that's the difference, they're both super generous, I just don't think it makes sense to leave GM1 in a barren state that it is now 
why I'll tell you why go back to my other video about this masterworks are the doorway to fun builds you can't have GM1 the doorway to the end game being a barren wasteland that that doesn't work oh but did you get to Grandmaster 2 don't worry it'll get more generous as I said picture that hopper in the paintball gun always being generous and you're just changing what's in the hopper depending on GM1 2 and 3 I don't know. I feel like that's a better approach because the player's not dramatically changing their approach to farming and grinding. It always kind of feels generous. It just GM 1, 2, and 3, the change is really centered around legendaries. So, thanks for all the quality content and friendship. Oh, thank you. Enviro, you the best. Uh, banana, banana syrup HD. Do you have any idea when the loot fix is going to come? No clue. It need the, the generosity for at least GM1 needs to happen soon. They can figure out GM2 and 3 later. I think they need to focus on GM1 generosity right the frick now. Do it in a way that's scalable to the other difficulty levels. Uh, Night Circus. You think BioWare will and or should postpone their post-launch content schedule to fix the loot? Personally, I would suffer through subpar loot drops to see what they have planned next. Um, I don't think they should shove anything back. No, I think that's a danger. You don't want people to feel like, oh man, you're trying to figure out loot generosity and the loot and the schedule got messed up. Again, you have to consider how many people are completely in the dark about what we're talking about because they don't watch Twitch. They don't watch YouTube. They're not on Twitter. They're not on Reddit. They're just playing and having fun and they know new stuff's coming. Victor Mayhem. Can you comment about your feelings with regard to the multitude of challenges? I'm pretty well masterworked out and Grandmaster 2 uh, is still really time consuming while waiting for legendary loot to drop increase I'm grinding the challenges why aren't other hardcore players like myself trying to complete the challenges grinding for coin um because that doesn't really matter I, I mean I appreciate that you're doing it and there's cool stuff in the game there's cool cosmetics number one there's not nearly enough there's not nearly enough to really motivate me to get a stockpile of coin. And number two, if you're hungry to min-max, I don't know. I feel like you're telling me that while I wait for my meal, I can just drink a lot of water. It's like, I know water is good for me. I know drinking water is, is enjoyable, but I want my food. Like, I don't really care about that right now. Um, so... Dark Embersky, uh, should they make luck harvest bonus based on the leveling system past 30? So maybe every time you level past 30, 1% luck, uh, or maybe 10 to 15 levels. I don't know if they really want to start looking at creating an entire system of luck increases the more you go up. Uh, IB Steezy, do you think the negativity towards the developers is going to cause a rip between them and the community? Concern this content, uh, current negative trend uh, could cause Bioware to care less about Anthem. No, and I'll tell you why. I think to a certain extent, to a certain extent, they know that there's there are constants in the gaming world. If you are going to create a game and you're going to be a community manager and you're going to be on the front lines, there are constants that you have to look past. There are the mindless haters. It doesn't matter what the game is. They'll go to YouTube comments, Reddit, Twitter, and they'll just say hateful stuff. It's just what they do. They're they're miserable people with miserable lives and this is what they do to pass the time they're 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 to be pitied these these people are pathetic but they're a constant in the gaming world it's what they do 
their life is so empty and meaningless they take some sort of value and enjoyment out of just crapping on stuff and they just shuffle to the next thing so you have to see that for what it is when that starts happening okay number two there's sort of systemic negativity systemic negativity is not as sinister it's not as toxic but it's just part of the world we live in every game that comes out is likely to have youtubers review sites blogs whatever even twitch streamers that kind of rag on the game they don't do it in a mean hateful and toxic way because that doesn't really work right you can be negative but you can't be a complete and utter jerk that doesn't really work long term it'll get you maybe lots of clicks on your youtube but you're not going to really have respect from people you're just going to get clicks from you know manufactured hate and angry people Okay, those are constants in the gaming world. I'm not discounting negative reviews. I'm not discounting people that didn't like the game. That's going to happen too. That's a constant. There are always going to be people There are always going to be people that that don't like a game. Nobody likes every game equally. Not everybody likes every single game that comes out to the highest degree. Uh, so Whenever you're going to enter this landscape, you have to understand, like, this isn't their first rodeo. They know that there are going to be people that bash the game, hate on the game, say the game's crap and terrible. There's going to be people that review the game and are just like, it's not very good, we don't like it. They're not a hater, they're just sort of, like, you know, putting that out there. So I don't think a developer's like, oh my gosh, we got negative response to our game, I don't really want to work on this anymore. Um, so... Basser, Basser, do you think Bioware is waiting for Division to pass to apply the loot thing? Because if they fix loot um, or not, people will play Division 2 at start. Alright, we get questions like this a lot. I don't necessarily know if developers are... I don't know if they're sitting around saying things that that we think that they're saying. I got an idea. Let's wait to fix the loot. Because... People are going to be playing The Division anyway. We might as well wait. I just don't think so. I think their primary motivation in not doing anything with the loot is they didn't want to do too much too fast. You turn too many knobs at once and you're going to make things unstable and you might potentially hurt the current or future content that they have planned. So I don't know if they're having like a roundtable meeting and saying, all right, everybody agreed we could really fix the loot system and really make it great, but we're going to wait because people are going to play Division. I, I just, I'm not sure if that's the kind of candor and dialogue they have internally. Now, that could be a thread in the theme. They could say, well, you know, we could push this out right now, but it's got some risk, and honestly, a lot of eyes are going to be on Division 2. If we wait a week, the hype of Division 2 dies down, we might get more attention. That could be a thread, but I don't think it's the primary thing going on. Uh, Trip and Monkey. What are GM1 and GM2 going to be if the community can min-max in GM1? Uh, what are GM1 and GM2 going to be for if the community can min-max in GM1? GM2 should be an, uh, a healthy and new influx of legendaries. And GM3 is uh, supposed to be, I would think, a lot of legendaries. Uh, I be Steezy. Do you think there will be consequences for exploiting the Masterwork Weapon Blueprint Unlock? Currently, you can complete the uh, Masterwork Weapon Challenges by using the Epic version and then finishing the Legendary Kill with a different Masterwork Weapon. Um, I don't know, dude. I don't know. I mean, if you're doing something that you know is broken to take shortcuts, you're just you're taking a risk. Their Terms of Service basically says you're not supposed to do that. 
I think you're probably more likely to trigger their alarms if you're brute forcing glitches and hurting the experiences of other people. If you're using two weapons and you are getting something done really, really fast, it should take a little bit longer. Banning you for that is dangerous because somebody could do that completely by accident, right? You could literally do that by accident and then they're going to ban you for it. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you yay or nay. I would say it's probably best to do all the content as it's designed. If you're taking a shortcut that you know is a shortcut, you are opening yourself up to ban because they basically have said, do not use bugs, glitches, or exploits. We don't want people doing that. It hurts the, it hurts the experience of other people. And when people go on this like big rant about how it's just a PvE game, how am I possibly hurting the experience of other people? Every piece of content is match-made, so if you're doing it and other people start doing it, then matchmaking environments suffer and connections get unstable, and you clearly will start to see a natural degradation of player experience because nobody's really playing the game as it's designed. They're, they're kind of breaking the game, so... Ed Machi, do you think the reason they're having such a hard time with the loot drops uh, is with the luck system in the game trying to find the balance to make drops really nice without making its luck so broken? In my opinion, they should just take luck out completely, change the current luck perks uh, into a new inscription maybe, and make people feel alright for already having items. There's a lot that you just said there. I mean, I think that... I think it... At a foundational level, they need to focus on generosity first. And if they focus on that first and they find that like luck is becoming uh, too deterministic, um, if it's too deterministic, then I would see it being problematic and they would need to nerf it a little bit. But, but I, I don't know if that's, that's just not, I don't think that's the way you want things to go. You don't want to be like, oh no, we, we upped the generosity, but... There's too much gener- Now luck's making things too generous. I just don't think that's the way you want to do it. Um, 8P East to soundtrack. Sorry, I have somebody uh, getting back to me about the the, the podcast. Then 8.30 to 11.30. I'm trying to get a filler for tonight. Um, So... Arpenine, do you think Destiny would ever benefit from a difficulty setting like Anthem, i.e. normal hard, GM 1, 2, and 3, and boost the drop rate? Do you think Destiny would ever benefit? Oh, no, yes. Yes. I think that they, um, they, Destiny could definitely benefit from this. I've said that numerous times, that they could do all sorts of things by saying, oh, you want to voluntarily set the public space to power level 700, you know? And when you do that, because people are like, oh, we're too strong. We're too strong. Our builds are too strong. We're not too strong if you start letting us actually go into encounters that are that are that are really really difficult. You know. I beast easy. Do you think limited time free play events such as there be giants should drop guaranteed loot? Uh, they have that with there be giants in its cosmetic. It's like a vinyl, and they should do that. Yes. Opinions get you banned. I was one who said Anthem is better off without PvP, but after playing it, making it to endgame, and reaching Masterwork gear, OP Legendary Gun, I feel something like Gambit without invading would be really fun. Thoughts? I don't think this is a big this is a big need, and I'll tell you why. Number one, it would not satisfy folks looking for PvP. Number two, we've even learned with Destiny's Gambit, there's just a lot of balancing issues that turn it into a one-dimensional game where you just blitz cheesy strats and win. Similar.
smaller things could happen in Anthem. I really think they should focus on the core gameplay. If they want to add horde modes and they want to have leaderboards, that's fine. But as soon as it's a race, as soon as it's a DPS race, I really think you just fall into predictable lanes of use this thing or this cheese or that thing or that blah blah and with the right inscriptions you win i mean think about the difference between a team with a maxed build for like elemental damage and they've got like these crazy abilities that are just buffed to heckin back and they melt their boss before you can even say you know emancipation <laughs> you're like what he's dead well if you don't have a build as strong as their build you lose you don't lose because they're better. You lose because they have better inscriptions. And, you and well, sure, skill and grind goes into them crafting that build. But again, I just feel like you would think, well, wait, I don't understand how they melt their boss so fast. And then there's like post-match stats. And you kind of look over their builds and you're like, you're like, well, gee, many Christmas, these guys each have like 200% elemental damages and mod components that do this and blah, 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 blah. And then you're not losing because the other team's better. You're losing because the other team's got better drops leaderboards make give you like a a, a a goal to aspire to dude somebody beat heart of rage in six minutes and 18 seconds and they're they're currently holding that okay and anybody that uh, and anybody that gets into the top 10 gets a vinyl anybody that gets in the top three gets another vinyl anybody that takes the top one spot every time it rotates there's like an initial you know crowned as king vinyl or something and so that's not that's that's not that amazing, that's not that crazy, but it's something cool for people to aspire after. I think that's better than finding out what the frick we just lost and then they have the team you played against has some insane build. If you're min-maxing to 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 speed through Heart of Rage, you're slowly going to feel like okay, we're we're doing well, but we really need to go for inscriptions that help with X, Y, and Z cuz I could really use some more elemental damage or whatever the frick. Uh the Kraz, thank you for the prime sub. Uh, Mr. Man, should there be a uh, should there be a follow the leader option in free play so you see the guy that's doing the events and you can follow him? Maybe, uh, maybe. I mean, I kind of already do that. I just tell somebody just go and I just follow them. But with matchmaking, it might be kind of good to just sort of softly nudge people to say, uh, we've randomly selected this guy and just kind of follow him and see what he's doing. And it could even tell them. You know how it tells you your drop leader in Apex Legends? It could be like, you are the squad leader. And you're like, oh, okay, people are going to follow me. Now, obviously, that could get trollish, but I think most people in games like this in a free play environment are just going to be like, oh, cool, I'm the squad leader. Let's go do stuff. And then you know that the guys are just kind of naturally going to follow you. Look, people don't want to think, man. They just want to get the looties and the shooties. And if they're if they're being told, go here, go here, go here, shoot this, they'll do it. They'll just generally do it uh Bayesian agent uh what are the good solo duo challenges in anthem i love soloing crota crota and doing the vault of glass right now you can't do a lot of this because private uh like restricting who can be in your group right now is not possible on a lot of the stuff uh mellow coviello says since the luck stat plays a factor in drop rates should i be paying attention to that stat on my purple drops currently i have three masterwork components uh on both of my builds and two legendaries i mean having a bunch of epic pieces that can buff your luck to 90 percent is probably a good move if you're going to be grinding grandmaster one if you can do it and you don't feel like you're really really weak sure i would definitely do that Eric Wonder, what about making the daily, weekly, and monthly challenges give masterwork and legendaries for rewards instead of coin? 
I, again, I don't. You're getting now into the minutia. I think they need to do big changes to basic generosity before they start thinking about stuff like this. Because if you don't fix foundational problems, this just feels like a band aid, and band aids like this can become problematic later on. Because now you've created something that's too rewarding or too easy or whatever the frick. Like you don't want to. You don't want to start just randomly grabbing pieces of the game and like assigning rewards to them. Address generosity at a foundational level, and then iterate from there. Silver Fang, do you think that there is any time limit to have fix anything before it's too late? I do not like talking like this because no one no one knows. Did, did, did anybody know that Destiny could get saved with, with Taken King? Did anybody know that Destiny 2 could be saved with Forsaken? Did anybody know that Division could have gotten where it gotten with uh, Division 1.8? Did anybody know, what is it, how many years since Diablo 3 came out? Did anybody know that they would get to where they are with Reaper of Souls and the Loot.2.0 system? No! There was no way for any of us to know that. All I know is that if the core game plays good and it's fun and they invest in good reward and loot pools and and loot systems and generosity and there's long end game, people flock back in general. Why? Because people like games like these and there's not a lot of them out there. So it's not a make it or break it kind of a thing in most in most scenarios. I think a lot of games have proven that. Uh, Dyrain WF uh, YF I'm sorry would it help if strongholds could only drop abilities while contracts only drop components and free play only weapons would this give the player the ability to better target the kind of loot they want uh, and all the parts of the game are reason to exist no you're getting too rigid now you're getting too rigid because you're basically making certain aspects of the game uninteresting by default. If you've got guns that you like, you just made free play irrelevant to me. Like that. Doesn't matter. I got two guns that I like. Frick that. I'm not playing free play. Now, if you want to have like what I was talking about, if you're in free play long enough and you get a guaranteed drop, maybe free play's guaranteed drops after so many public events is a gun, but you can still get lots of other masterworks while you're in free play. Same thing with the legendary contract. When the legendary contract finishes, you get a guaranteed mod component, but while you're in that contract, you should be getting lots of masterwork. Same thing with finishing a stronghold. I don't mind a guaranteed drop at the end, but you don't want to restrict the entire loot pool of um, contracts and free play and and strongholds because like it's saying it goes it cuts it cuts both ways if you get the abilities that you want on your colossus you just made strongholds irrelevant for that person and it's just like the frick that's not that's not the way you want to do it because you're just by default they're just like well this is irrelevant to me now and they toss the content over their shoulder that's a bad that's a bad problem in destiny uh, bogey three three one one. Do you think there is uh, no stat screen because they don't even know what the back end is working? No, I don't think so. They just haven't done it yet. I'm your you are media. Does Colossus melee combo effect increase in damage and blast uh, percentage inscriptions? Would combo percentage be better? I don't have an answer to this. You would need somebody that's a lot more intelligent and has done testing that if you want to increase blast or combo. I would probably say you want combo. This is just me spitballing. I think combo because the Colossus gets area of effect and everybody in the area of effect is going to get hit by that combo multiplier. Blast percentage is only going to increase the damage, I'm assuming, if you're going for like a blast damage percentage. It's only going to increase the people that are right next to you getting hurt by the melee. The combo area of effect may be bigger than the melee. I'm not sure. Um, It may be the same. So it may be six to one, half a dozen of the other. In both cases, you're just buffing you're buffing damage by a percent. Um, but you got to remember, 
combo percentage is got more universality to it because sometimes you might combo and you might do it from afar you might use your railgun to combo you might use uh, you know something from you know siege can or something if you combo from afar that combo percentage is benefiting you when you both combo off of the melee and combo off the ability and it's giving it a little bit more uh, flexibility you're not going to have that flexibility if you put everything into blast percentage well then any combo that you trigger without blast damage which I don't even know if you can you're not going to be getting that benefit so I would go I would probably focus on combo uh, over blast unless you're specifically building for blast Night Circus, do you think they could make crafting engaging by adding hidden forges in free play strongholds that when you craft at them guarantees a pool of inscriptions? No, because now you're going to make me go out into the world and go to a specific place. Like, I just don't think this is, again, you're basically funneling some, somebody to something mechanical. Well, I know if I go here, there's a, there's a guaranteed pool of inscriptions, and then when they do that, you're... I don't know. That doesn't feel like... The game doesn't feel designed in that way, so I wouldn't do that. Arkham, I'm playing on medium graphics, but I'm still experiencing stutter in big fights. Is there any way to help with this? Please and thank you. I would try and turn down two things. Number one, turn screen... Turn camera shake the frick off. Uh, number two, turn off um, ambient occlusion and then post-processing quality. Turn those, like, off or all the way down. Um... The ambient occlusion is like the lighting and the shade, the shadows and stuff. I don't, when I turn that all the way down, I don't notice a significant difference in the game. And on my monster gaming rig, I get like an extra 10 FPS when I turn that off. Uh, And then the post-processing all the way down, turn off motion blur. If you're still having issues, then I would set your sights on lighting, shadows, and texture effects. You bump all those down from high to medium and see what's going on. You're already running on medium, so try what I just said. If that doesn't help, um, if that doesn't help, then try one thing at a time. Take shadows, take shadows to low, then take lighting effects to low, and then save textures for last. But try and just, like, incrementally see if you can't kind of cool things off a bit on what it's doing to your system. So that's the final question. I'm not shutting down the stream. So if you're here live right now, don't go anywhere. If you've enjoyed this segment, please click the follow button. That's the little heart button. If you're listening to this later on on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live. I'm probably live right now. Twitch.tv slash say no to rage. You can also follow me on Twitter at say no to rage. As with all of my content, I appreciate you listening and watching. Please like, share, and subscribe.